0: And welcome back to your guide to blitz scalable venture deals. I'm Chris Ye, joined by my partner, Scott Johnson from Blitz Scaling Ventures. And today we're going to be talking about deals that were announced in September of 2023. Good morning, Scott.
1: Hello, Chris. And it was a good month in venture. We had 71 deals, up from 56 in August, which is up from 49 in July. And recall that these are the deals we track, right? So there are 30 or so venture firms that are highly active and brand name venture firms that we look at as as uh, feeders for our deal flow. And they used to do, you know, a couple of years ago, like more than 100, sometimes 150. And that was in a very heady time. And we're in a more normal time now. And so the pace is slower. But 71 deals is a good number. Looks like we're tracking to beat that by a little bit for October. So It's, I think, encouraging that we had a summer lull, which is kind of typical, and now we're back up to where we were in June, roughly, which was a 77 deal. So it feels like a healthy pace.
0: Excellent. Well, that's good to hear.
1: Now, the interesting question will be,
0: how did that crop come out for us? So what are the companies that we are going to highlight today?
1: Well, so we have two companies to highlight, but then two others we're going to talk about because I think there's some opportunity for instruction here around job boards and whether they're blitzscalers or not and under what conditions. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about those two first. And then we have uh, an interesting recycling company that doesn't often, it's not often we talk about recyclers as blitzscalers, but in this case, I think they found a way to be a winner take most company in that industry, which is interesting. And then we have a chat company. And whenever there's chat involved, then there's opportunity to scale very fast. And we all know that chat companies can take off like wildfire. So there's a new one out, and you know, it's a crowded market, but maybe they've found a niche here that's important. Similar to Slack, but with a twist. So that one's called Rocket Chat, and Metaloop is the recycling company. But first, we're going to talk about bandana and Power Us.
0: Yeah, so Bandana and Power Us both fit into the category of being niche job boards. Bandana is focused on jobs that are local in New York City, more of, I think, the blue collar type jobs. And Power Us is from Germany, and it is essentially a job board or marketplace for people who are technically skilled blue collar workers, so electricians and the like and both of them were able to raise money from top venture capitalists and the key question that we're trying to answer here is okay are these kinds of things actually going to be blitz scalers do they have the potential to be the kind of winner that blitz scaling ventures would invest in
1: yeah at and- first blush don't you think they should be i mean it's a marketplace liquidity matters a lot these are you know high value transactions that that occur and if you're the winner that takes most then boy that you know, that you should try to really be that winner. And it seems to apply well to the blitzscaling thesis. So Mm -hmm. when does it work and when does it break down?
0: Well, this this is the key thing, which is the dynamics of the transactions. So let's take Bandana, local jobs in New York City. So is it truly the case that Bandana is the only place that you can go to for those jobs? Well, the answer is not really. Right. It's a local job board. It's a chance for people to see jobs, but you might just see jobs, you know, in the traditional newspaper, Craigslist, you're wandering around, you see a sign saying, hey, job available. And that's true in a way that it's not for something like Airbnb. Right, With Airbnb, you can't sort of just knock on a door and say, hey, I was wondering if you're renting out a room today or not. And it's not like Airbnb, the folks who are hosts would necessarily have big signs out in front saying, hey, you want to stay here, sleep in my room, sleep in my my house? No, that doesn't really happen. And so I think that what we have to do when we're thinking about a business like this is to think about what is the competition, not the startup competition, but the traditional competition. And to what extent is it truly winner take most if most people are still going to go through and do things the old fashioned way.
1: Yeah. So you're saying that you can multi-home, that you can look in this place and this place and this place and this place. So there's not a single place where you have to go and be a buyer or a seller. Exactly. And where there's already a pretty well-developed
0: market for finding these things. Now, there were a few that we looked at before, which I might've liked even better. We'd looked at a few, I remember, that were focused on, for example, nurses who are going to be in demand all over as opposed to a local job board or as opposed to a highly specialized thing like an electrician or something like that. Mm -hmm. But even then we never got around to pulling the trigger on any of those deals because it was still the case that just didn't have the feel of, Oh, we've created this brand new market that didn't exist before and therefore we can
1: own it. Yeah. Indeed is there. Craigslist is there. Like if you want to find something that's nearby Craigslist is, you know, thought of as the local leader and if you want to find you know something nationally then indeed seems to be the the dominant player for the moment it used to be monster uh in the early days of the internet and then indeed seems to have taken over so it's um it's 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 maybe true that the winner has taken most which is why these niche sites are popping up it's like well you know like what if you're in new york city and you really care about your commute more than anything else so the thing you want to first search first on is what are the jobs near me that will shorten my commute. And then I'll sort of consider other factors and maybe that's how this sprung up. And I think where there are other metropolis areas where the commute matters a ton, like San Francisco, being one, of course, with Washington. So so some of the really big cities, this might be an important consideration that the incumbents aren't really factoring in to the extent that the seekers, the job seekers would like.
0: Yeah, except that, and I agree, if you go look at the Bandana website, we should probably let folks know where that one can be found. I believe it is just bandana.co. .co,
1: .co. Right. If you go to the
0: bandana website, you can see that you can look for jobs and it'll show you where they're located in the city, what the commuting looks like, if you're going to take public transit and things like that. And that is really handy and helpful, but I'm pretty sure that most job boards know the location of the physical office that the job is being posted at. That's kind of part of the whole thing. And yeah, you need to create an account where you specify your location, that just doesn't feel like enough of a differentiator. It's a feature. It's something that people could build in.
1: Well, it's a seed deal. It's three point eight million. Craft Ventures led it alongside General Catalyst. So they have, they have good investors that have bought into the story. Maybe it's a fabulous entrepreneur, and maybe it's uh, they've got some amazing early traction. Um, and you know, maybe it's it's an, it's an entrepreneur that they've worked with before. I don't know the, the backstory there, but it feels like something that uh, you know is is. Sort of interesting in the abstract, but when we apply our blitz scaling scorecard to it, we don't get above 80. We don't get close. We get 66. So it's interesting that something that has such a strong marketplace dynamic can only score 66.
0: Well, I think it's because we marked down the marketplace dynamic because there are so many alternatives. If it truly was the only way that somebody could find these jobs, its marketplace score would be much higher, but it's just not.
1: So, so kind of a similar thing with Power Us, do you think? Or are there other
0: I think it's challenges pretty similar. that they have? I think it's pretty similar. Power Us scores slightly better because we give it some better marks in terms of winner take most. And that's because it's not local. It is distributed and it's for specialized workers. And so there is some value to being able to have just these specialized electricians and alike on the like on them on the platform, similar to the nursing platforms we talked about before. Yeah. But then now they have must have some issue.
1: traction, right? So they sorry, I just wanted to point out they raised yeah. 25 million Series A and General Catalyst is in here as well. Now they're out of Berlin. So that's yeah. you know that's a place where blue collar work is highly valued. And so if they've got a bunch of traction with that workforce and they can show that they're gonna go Beyond that workforce didn't, into other countries, then could be pretty interesting.
0: That is true. But we still end up with some of the issues around viral growth, for example, right? One of the things that sets Airbnb apart is the fact that there is this bleed through. People use it to form their businesses and therefore they promote it themselves. There is hosts that become guests and guests that become hosts. So there's bleed through. So there's all these reasons why there is good viral growth and distribution for Airbnb. Well, is that really true for Power Us, right? Nobody's becoming an entrepreneur and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go out and sell these electrician jobs. Yeah. And there just isn't the bleed through. You're either an electrician or you're a company. It's not like you're both at once. And so the dynamics are just not quite as good as something like Airbnb.
1: Yeah, we come across this a lot where there's a, there's sort of a, a word of mouth virality to it, but it's not built into the system itself. And when it's built into the system itself, it grows like wildfire on its own. When it's, you rely on word of mouth, it's still a viral effect, but it just doesn't seem as nearly as powerful.
0: Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, these two companies do not make the cut for us, but we thought it was worth talking about them because it's a pattern we see over and over again. And by the way, this doesn't mean that they can't be successful. But what it does tend to mean is that there's no such thing as a massive $100 billion winner in the space.
1: Well, and they should build their business not as a blitzscaler, right? They should be yeah. careful about building their business. They shouldn't just risk everything to be the leader. They should be economically aware of how they're growing and not waste money and be you know, just smart about it. And it, it in other words, if they grow a little slower – it's not gonna affect their long-term outcome. So they can afford to grow a little slower and be careful with cash. All right, on to metal loop. Metal loop. Loop.
0: Yes, this is one you really liked.
1: Yeah, it just, I like these niche, here's saying niche again, but I, I like these very highly focused, let's use the word focused plays where there is a very large market that nobody else has just noticed before because it's kind of obscure. And Metaloop is exactly that, it's a scrap trading company and none of us listening to this in all likelihood know anything about the scrap trading business except it's probably expensive to move the stuff around, it's heavy, it's difficult, it's it's industrial and it's not something we usually deal with it's something we you know we put our recycling away and, and we, we get rid of our cars and off they go somewhere and we never see them again so this this happens in a world that none of us know about but it's really really big and important so somebody within that industry has said you know there's a better way to have buyer meet seller and this, so the scrap metal has to get sold and it has to get reused and they don't They're not all right next to each other, and not everybody has the same supply at the same time. And so, having good information around what's available when you need it is going to be pretty valuable. And that's what these guys have done. And First Mark led a Series A for $17 million, and it's metalloop.eu. These guys are located in Austria.
0: Yeah. And when we look at this one, you know, this one, if we compare it to what we were talking about before, these job boards, you know, it has a stronger winner take most market. Why? because there's not as many alternatives for this kind of scrap trading. Yeah, you could do it the old fashioned way with WhatsApp messages back and forth or what have you, maybe even telephone calls, who knows. But these are the perfect kinds of transactions for a marketplace. They're big transactions. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of nuance to it. It's not just a single commodity of this metal is just all the same, right? It's a question of where it came from, what condition it's in, how it's being stored. So all those help. Uh, It doesn't have phenomenal viral growth or distribution here. And that's because, I mean, there's not a lot of virality. There's no built into the product where, oh, yeah, I got scrap metal. Therefore, I'm broadcasting it to the world. No, it's just have scrap metal, want to get the best price for it, want to get rid of it. And therefore, it makes sense for me to look to Metal Loop. But it does not make sense for me to build my entire identity around being a metal loop guy, right? Airbnb, you have super hosts, right? The fact that there is a bunch of people who work really hard to be named a super host by Airbnb. Well, are you going to have a super scrapper in metal
1: loop? Are people going to compete for that?
0: I still don't know if that's going to be the case.
1: (laughs) I love it. Uh, Yeah. But Chris, I mean, you could probably go to one trade show and meet everybody in the industry. It's a small, how many people have facilities that can actually process this stuff? Yeah, you know, but there it's not that
0: many. Of course, on the recycling center side, yeah, that's relatively small. But in terms of sources of scrap, that's going to be huge. There's tons of places that might have random bits
1: of scrap metal. Okay on the buy side I was more talking about that yeah. on the on yeah. the buy side it's 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 pretty finite so you could kind of sign all them up and once you have them signed up then it might be easier to sign up the others but you're right we gave it a 7 we didn't give it a 8 or a 9 mm. you're going to have to go to them one by one or go to a trade show and 10 by 10 but it's not something where you can just really be clever about reaching them all at once so you're right that's not you know it's in a it's a, it's going to take a bit to to get them signed up, but it's not like you ha- they have to pay anything to sign up. They just have to sign up and transact. That's so right. that does make it so it's not a five, right? So it's, it's going to be above five. It's, it's just a pretty easy thing to sign up for. And then you immediately start saving money. So I, you know, product market fit, we gave it an eight because of that. And then, market size, gross margin, org scalability are all 10. Op scalability, we said, is an 8 because they get involved in shipping the stuff around. It's, it's, it's what it appears on their website. We have to do more research on this. That's one.
0: right. They will provide you, for example, with a bag into which you're going to put the really tiny scraps that you can't stack up. Okay, well, now you're giving them a bag. You got to go pick up the bag. You got to deal with all this stuff. It's not as easy as just you know uh, having yeah. zero involvement, zero touch. There is touch going on. And when you take all that into account, we end up with a total score of 78. Now you may be thinking to yourself, that's below 80, what's going on? And the answer is when a company is really close in that 78, 79 range, it doesn't take much. Like one score change might push it above 80. And so, especially if we like the business model, it just makes sense to develop a relationship with the organization and see if we actually evaluated it correctly. Because if we
1: underestimated them just slightly, that puts them into the Blitz scalable range. Exactly, so worth learning more about that one because we really like it and maybe we're underestimating them. Okay, moving on to Rocket Chat. And this is a Series A, it's a $10 million Series A, so not a big Series A. And we have NEA in the deal, which is how it hit our our radar. And it's it's really similar to Slack, but it's different. Chris, you want to describe? Yeah. What let me are. talk about this. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's so funny because we got this rocket chat thing. And the first thing that happened when we looked at the list of investors is we're like, well, this is interesting because we see there's Monashis, there's Valor Capital Group, there's Endeavor Catalyst, there's DGF Investimentos. And what this screams is Brazilian right? Monashese is a great Brazilian firm. Same for Valor, where I know one of the co-founders, my old friend Antoine. Endeavor Catalyst, of course, is very involved in Brazil. I just gave a talk for Endeavor Brazil this past week when I was down in Sao Paulo. So this is, even though Wilmington-Delaware deal, really in many ways, a global deal. So definitely exciting there. So what makes Rocket.Chat different than something like Slack is that it's designed as a place where the work takes place. It's not just messaging. So you have a chat bot on your website, you have customer service, all these things feed into Rocket Chat. So if you're an employee of Rocket Chat, not only are you using it for the internal conversations like you would a Slack, But it's also the same place where you're having these conversations with customers, you're dealing with uh, some sort of marketing chat and things like that. So it becomes this universal place where all these messages go.
1: So it's sort of a CRM, but with Slack basis, right? So it feels a lot like Slack. The interface is very Slack-like. But it has these CRM overtones that allow it to reach beyond just your your uh, your enterprise boundaries, and and Slack can do that too. But it's it helps you. It's not about a team. It can be about uh, collaboration, on it, as you described, with customers, with clients. Yeah,
0: and so we gave it pretty good marks. So on winner take most, it's not a perfect ten because it is not something where there is zero alternative things like slack already exist. there's already tools that people are using for this kind of stuff but because you're building up all the conversation in one place the context matters i mean one of the things i love about using linkedin for communicating with people is the fact that i have the thread of all the conversations we've had that's not something that easily comes up in email for example so we gave it a 9 out of 10 for the winner take most. We also gave it a 9 out of 10 for viral growth or distribution because it's got those beautiful viral effects that Slack had. makes it super easy for people to sign up. And yet now, instead of just being internal to the organization and maybe so, a few sort of external partnership type things, this is something where all of the communications are happening through Rocket Chat. So we well, like so I, one.
1: I, I think it's important to point out, though, that if you're not someone who wants to use the Rocket Chat app, you could still interact with this conversation. You can do it through email. You can do it through messaging. Whatever your preferred inbox is, you could be part of the conversation without adopting Rocket Chat itself. And I think that's that's a key differentiator here is that Absolutely. with Slack, they require you to be part of the the Slack walled garden, And in this case, you don't. So if if you're trying to get people from all different walks of life, all different companies, whatever. It's much easier to assemble them in a rocket chat than it is to assemble them in a Slack where they have to adopt. Yep.
0: And this is still pretty early on. And while it looks like it's certainly possible that people are going to adopt this, we still want to see the consumer behavior. We gave it a seven on product market fit. And then of course, the rest of the way, it is a software business in a major market, so that gives it tens for market size, gross margin, organ op scalability. Put it all together, you get an 81 out of 100 which is blitz scalable. So this is definitely one we'd want to look at because it feels like something that would be useful. We've got some great connections in Brazil. Like I said, it was just in Sao Paulo this past week. And we know a lot of the investors who are already in this. So this is a good deal for us if we decide that we really like the product and the team.
1: It looks like they raised 17 million ahead of this 10 million round. So this is a series A that's kind of unusual, actually, where you have 17 million in seed money coming in ahead of a series A. Usually it's the other way around. It's sort of like an inverted yield curve here. We have um usually the you know the, the latest round is bigger than the money that they've raised before. But right. in this well, case, if it's you not think so about it,
0: you know, there were these mango seeds. That was the fashion. We're gonna have a mango seed round, so an absolutely enormous thirty million dollar seed round. Yeah. And so I remember that was in style for a while. It's out of style now. Maybe it'll come back someday in another super boom. But at least for right now, or maybe it'll just be mango seeds, AI mango seeds. But at least for right now, $10 million is what we traditionally think of as a Series A. And this is one of those Series A examples.
1: Well, okay. So that's it. And we have two very interesting companies this month. And that, you know, it's roughly what we usually see. We see, you know, we look at 70 deals and a couple of them end up scoring above 80. And as we always say, there are lots of good companies that got funded and we're not trying to make a judgment on whether companies are good or bad. We're just trying to find the ones that have characteristics where there's a winner take most element that it could also grow really fast and pick out those special deals that we like.
0: Awesome. Well, Scott, as always, thank you for joining the Blitz Scalable Venture Deals podcast. We've got more deals to talk about because here we are. We're actually recording this November. And so that means we got to get back around. And and once I'm back from my latest set of travels to Mexico, record a podcast about the October deal. So we'll be looking forward to that. It does sound like October continues the trend of recovering from the summer slump. So we'll be looking at that, and then before the end of the year, November deals, December deals. Hopefully, we can close out 2023 strong.
1: I think we will. It's it's sort of a, a, a tale of two cities out there, where you have AI deals just going crazy, and the rest of the market sort of humming along at a at a slower pace. And it's it's very bifurcated right now, and I think that'll that'll eventually compress. But but for now, it looks like. AI is going to provide some tailwind to the deal count.
0: Well, I will look forward to seeing it. Scott Johnson, on behalf of Blitzscaling Ventures and myself, Chris Yeh, we're delighted to have you here listening. Don't forget to tell a friend if you enjoyed. This is a shout out to our loyal listener, Sam, who told me that he and his friends eagerly await each new episode. So Sam, this one's for you. <laughs>